This is Transistor.fm. Hey, let me ask you a question. When you were a kid, after a game of Mario Brothers, did you ever take out a pencil and a piece of paper and try to draw your own video game levels? The idea of creating video games from a kid's imagination is something that today's guest is working on. Stay tuned. First, I want to tell you about some great sponsors. Sprintly has been with us since the beginning. Their web app is the best way to manage the software development process. It's agile project management that works. You and your team can try Sprintly for free by going to www.sprint.ly. And if you're looking for dedicated WordPress hosting that can handle huge amounts of traffic, is lightning fast, and has great support, I highly recommend WP Engine. Go to productpeople.tv slash WP Engine to get up to two months free. If you want show notes and more information about the show and other projects we're working on, go to productpeople.tv. You can also sign up for our newsletter by going to productpeople.tv slash newsletter. Now let's get to the show. Hi, I'm Justin, and this is Product People, the podcast focused on great products and the people who make them. And today we have Robin Rath on the show, and he's going to tell us about a Kickstarter he has going for a product that would allow you to draw your own video games. Robin, welcome to the show. Hey, Justin. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here. Now, can you give our listeners a little background on this project you're working on? What is it? And what's the story behind it? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so Pixel Press, it's a, it's a game for mobile devices uh, available on iOS and Android in, in the near future. Uh, it's on Kickstarter now, something that, uh, that we came up with about three months ago. And uh, between my time as a product manager, uh, full-time for a company in St. Louis, Missouri called Coolfire, uh, we've been working on this project in our free time, um, basically working on Developing the idea, trying to understand um, what people would like about it, what they wouldn't like about it, building that marketing campaign, and uh, been gearing it up for uh, for launch on Kickstarter to to continue to drive uh, the marketing message. So uh, that that went up a couple weeks ago, and, and we've been you know working the marketing since. Yeah, and anyone that wants to check this out, it's pixelpressgame.com, and if you watch the video, you'll you'll see kind of the idea behind it. Uh, can you explain, Robin, just what is the idea? What makes this uh, product unique? Sure, sure. So uh, the idea comes from uh, something that I did and was inspired by when I was a kid, which is, you know, growing up in the 80s, I uh, used to play a lot of the games like Mario Brothers on Nintendo and Donkey Kong and, and Zelda. And, and something that my friends and I would do when we weren't playing games, um, we would draw our own video games. So we would use the inspiration of the games we were playing uh, take a piece of paper and draw out levels and platforms and imagine ourselves playing through that game. Uh, recently, I was talking with some friends in the technology community about some of the things they were doing with optical character recognition, uh, and that's the process of uh, dictating 
something that's on a piece of paper or offline and allowing a computer to interpret what that means and then turning it into digital format. So uh, just reminiscing about drawing uh, video games as a, as a kid and tying that to optical character recognition, we came up with this idea for Pixel Press. So the idea is uh, we've built a, a kind of pre-formatted grid sheet of paper. Uh, you can draw lines on it in a shorthand system that represent the aspects of a video game. And then you can take a picture of that with your mobile device, your tablet, or your iPhone, and it'll actually turn that, that drawing into a game that you can play. Uh, from there, you can do things like customize the look and feel, customize the character, and ultimately, this creation that you've built, uh, you can share it with your friends, and you can share it on the community for everyone to play. So that's the ultimate vision of Pixel Press, and uh, we've started a prototype already. Um, and the idea now is to, to gauge the level of interest out there through a platform like Kickstarter and uh, continue to build it. Yeah. Now, and this seems like the perfect type of campaign for Kickstarter, because I, I, I actually saw, ran across this before I'd even met you. And it's one of those things, like you watch it, and it kind of pulls on the, uh, the emotional heartstrings, because I think a lot of people, uh, especially my age, uh, you, you know, we're in our 30s. We grew up mm -hmm. playing these platform games, and we grew up wanting to create our own video games. And I, I immediately had this emotional connection with your story. Uh, while you were kind of thinking about doing this, did you talk to other people first before kind of launching the campaign? How did you gauge kind of initial interest? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of Eric Reese and, and the Lean Startup. Um, those are principles that that as a product manager for other products, not just this product, that I try to follow as closely as possible. So uh, when we did start kind of developing this idea in January, it was always a, you know, go slow type approach. Um, so, so the first thing that I did was, you know, I just, you know, fired up Photoshop and created this grid sheet and started drawing shapes and coming up with, you know, what, what, how could you, we make this work? How could we come up with a system that's very simple and memorable to draw these levels. And then I started sharing it with friends and family. And, and that's what really got me excited right away because, you know, I was showing this to my friends and they're like, of course this is amazing. I mean, how, how could you even ask me if this is amazing? This is, this is exactly what we used to do. And now you're talking about I can actually play those levels. Um, you need to make this happen. So that was inspiring on the onset. Um, and, and it was a very low cost, you know, prototype at that point. No code had to be written at that point. We can move forward. The following month, um, we expanded that reach out to uh, individuals within the press. So I created that short one and a half minute video, um, did that all, all myself, you know, with, with friends' help. And we put that video behind a password and shared it with uh, actually uh, Andrew Webster over at The Verge, was the first person we shared it with. <laughs> and uh, right away, I was 100% hit rate. You know, one email, one byte, we've got the press already lined up. So right at that point, we kind of slowed down a little bit, too, because we were worried about, you know, too much information getting out, and we were still trying to sort through whether we were going to go, go with Kickstarter. But something you identified, you know, just recent, just a minute ago was, um, you know, you grew up in the 80s. A lot of the people that are covering this also get it instantly. So I think um, we combined, you know, a simple idea with something that people really enjoy and like, and that's, that's attributed to a lot of our success so far. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, it, I mean, in, in a my mind, it kind of makes sense. Like there's a lot of these things from the eighties, especially that have come back. And, um, now that a lot of people that grew up in that time period, our parents, 
you know, like the first thing I thought about when I saw your project was my kids and thought this would be so cool for my kids. Um, and obviously, you know, the people in the press felt the same way. But how did you know? Because sometimes the press can pick up on something that's not a really a viable product or a viable business. What what were the indications that you were getting back that people would actually, you know, might be interested in paying money for something like this? Yeah, um, there's there's a lot of lot of aspects to that for sure. Um, you know, I think a big part of our initial thought was that if it can be successful on Kickstarter. Um, just in terms of you know people being interested, that's going to help validate it for us a lot. Um, the thing that we didn't, we weren't really in tune with um, because we're just not part of the educational market was how much are kids going to like this? You know, I have an eight-year-old daughter, or I'm sorry, an eight-month-old daughter, and, and clearly she's not part of the test market at this point. So I didn't really have that background. But as you know, we've got this out there. We've got so much um, outpour from teachers, really from all over the world saying, hey, we're using platforms right now, but we can't get everybody to get engaged because it's still too code-focused. You know, we want something that's less code-focused and more creative-focused. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that combined with what, we see, what we're seeing with games like Minecraft, where a lot of the reasons that it's so successful is because it's got sharing built into it. People want to share things that they spend a lot of time working on and mm -hmm. get those YouTube videos out and all that. And it's fun, of course, you know, but you know, people are, people like to share those things because they spend so much time on them and they're proud of them. So those are some of the things we wanted to key in on. Um, as far as the monetization side of it, you know, we are learning that monetizing through education markets is very challenging. Um, people aren't necessarily looking to spend a lot of money and, you know, some of the, some of the challenges we're having with our Kickstarter are kind of related to that. But at the same time, um, it's very clear that, you know, people are very interested in this platform and, and you know, obviously, App stores are a viable business model if you can kind of find that magic bullet of, of, in terms of how to kind of connect with people and, and keep them engaged. So, so we're very hopeful, that, you know, that we're we're very confident that we're creating a product that people want, and uh, it's just a matter of executing on it and, and making sure that some of those small things are set up correctly. Yeah, and and so what what how is the pricing going to work for uh, for Pixel Press? Yeah, we, you know, we've been we've been careful about you know publicly saying anything on that those lines because we're just not sure yet ourselves. One mm -hmm. thing that we want to be very sensitive to is you know not overdoing in-app purchasing because you know a lot of parents and a, and a lot of consumers in general you know feel like they've been burnt a little bit on the way that some of these apps are pricing, uh, like the free and then you know pay a bunch of money for coins and all that type of stuff. But the the way we want to price it um, is is possibly. You know, two different versions. One version allows you to just play levels. So, you know, if you don't have an interest in actually building levels because it is a time-consuming process, there's still an opportunity to just play. And we mm -hmm. want to make that we want to make that affordable. We don't want to like, you know, pull a dollar out of people every single time they download a new level. We want the people to be able to enjoy that experience so that they can enjoy the levels that their friends created. On the building side, so the level creator and that process. I mean, what we're building is is a pretty complex pretty complex beast because, you know, with this optical character recognition tool, we can't assume that everyone can draw a straight line and we have to deal with those challenges and the QA and the, the, the customization that goes into that. Um, so, so, you know, we are building a platform and the way we're kind of thinking about it is if you, you know, went to Walmart and you bought one of those little kits that allow you to build, you know, some little game thing or some little, little electronic thing and you pay, you know, anywhere from like 10 to 15 bucks for it. 
Um, that's kind of how we're thinking about this product. So maybe in that like seven to ten dollar price range, um, mm -hmm. where people are saying, "Okay, I'm willing to spend a little bit more, a little bit more money because I'm actually getting long term value out of it." Yeah, yeah. And and what kind of you mentioned technology? What kind of that was my biggest question when I saw this was, how are you guys going to pull off the tech behind this? Because the actual the product itself is simple, like the idea of getting kids to draw levels on paper. Uh, that part makes sense to me, but the, it was the OCR stuff that scared me a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, as a, product, there? As, a, as a product manager, we all know that, that creating things that are simple is the hardest thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there is a lot of work that's going to go into making this as simple as possible and, and reducing frustration. You know, if people are frustrated by this, if they're not actually able to, you know, recreate that drawing as a kid experience, um, then it's going to be a challenging, uh, challenging battle. You know, on the technology side, we've we've already started on a prototype. Uh, we've actually crossed a lot of hurdles on the optical character recognition side. Um, one of the bigger challenges, as I alluded to earlier, was you know not being able to depend on everyone having the same drawing skills. But then also, it's you know it's going to be used with pencil because people need to be able to to erase and change things, and that's a lighter mark than even a pen would be. Uh, but with that said, we, we're, we're working with uh, uh, two individuals that have world-class experience with optical character recognition, and uh, they appreciate the product, and they're they're putting you know their full effort into this, um, and and we're really focused right now on getting that piece right because we want to make sure we're not making any promises that we can't deliver on, and and over the last month and a half, we're uh, we're feeling really confident in what we've built so far. Yeah. Tell, tell me how you're like, how are you balancing all of this? Cause in my head, I'm thinking like on one hand, you've got, um, this Kickstarter campaign where you're kind of marketing and trying to get people to contribute and buy mm -hmm. into the project. And on the other hand, you're trying to do product development. Like you're working on the, the OCR and the actual tech behind it. Yep. And then on the other hand, you have a full-time job and a family and everything else. Talk to me about how are you balancing all this stuff? Yeah, it, it's been a challenge. Um, you know, the, the hardest part that I've learned with Kickstarter, and everyone will tell you that Kickstarter is time-consuming, um, has been the number of communication channels to work with. Um, mm -hmm. You know, at, you, it ultimately comes down to about three different email accounts, three different social media accounts. Kickstarter has a commenting system and a messaging system. You're managing incoming press. You know, even with help from from uh, people like Luis and, and uh, Brian, my developer, their communication channel is in and of themselves that you've got to manage and keep going. But ultimately, I think you know what what I've been afforded is um, not only press and fans out there that really love the idea, but you know, coworkers that really love the idea, and then you know, you know, frankly, busting their ass to 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 make sure everything stays in motion too. So Kickstarter is a big piece of it, and it's you know it's kind of a distraction for the product management piece, but obviously it's very important for us. Um, on the product development side, we're constantly getting feedback from our Kickstarter uh, backers, and we're integrating that in real time into what we're doing. We're integrating their marketing feedback real time into what we're doing. For example, we recently added a new higher level teacher package that includes 25 downloads of the game and free downloads for life, and that was driven really by a lot of feedback we were getting from teachers that were saying, hey, you know, we don't have a lot of money to spend, but if you can make the package look this way, you know, it's something that we might be able to do. So it's a ton to manage, um, but, you know, it's something that, 
you can never do it. You can never do enough of any one aspect. You've just got to try to keep each moving forward. Yeah. And, uh, right now it looks like you're about $34,000 in to a goal of a hundred thousand. Yeah. Um, and so you're about 17, 17 days in and about 20 days to go. Is that right? Uh, yeah, so we started. Uh, we were we started the campaign at 37. So yeah, we're right at 17. Um, we're we're feeling we're feeling really good about where we are. I mean, we've got a lot long way to go, and um, and it's it's been successful so far. The number of backers we've had is is amazing. You know, we're almost at 1,500 backers, so that really excites us. We've also got a number of things coming down the pipeline uh, that we hope to get out to people to kind of continue to get the word out there. We're working on. A prototype that we'll distribute on a limited basis uh, to our users. Uh, we've got things going on like drawing contests. Uh, we're continuing to have great press coming in. So all those things together are, are continuing to drive our efforts. And I, I think the biggest thing for us right now is uh, to hopefully, you know, connect with some people that um, are more on the donation side that, that are are willing to, to to back us with a little bit more money to help us get there. Uh, and, and we're working on some of those things too. You know, we've got a lot of people that are really excited about it and just don't know, don't know exactly how to get involved. So, so you know, this Kickstarter project is a is a is a constantly moving moving beast, and uh, there's a lot of good things going on with it right now. Yeah, and I mean, in some ways, it's kind of amazing if you think about it, because you know, again, like a lot of the interviews that we've done on the show are um, you know business to business apps, which are are actually normally not that. Uh, complicated to build that the tech behind them is mm -hmm. a database and putting stuff in the database, retrieving stuff from the database. But this has some actual real tech behind it. And, uh, you know, it's probably something that you could have gone out and, you know, maybe approach some angel investors or something. But uh, I'm looking at, you know, $34,000 already. That's kind of like a a small angel round right there. Is there a reason you decided to go Kickstarter versus, you know, look for other funding? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think one way that I've looked at it is if someone's willing to give you a hundred thousand dollars, what, it's just one person, you know, what is, how does that help you really validate the fact that you have a great product idea? But if you can get a thousand people, you know, to help you get up to that, that hundred thousand dollars, then, then, you know, the valuation of the company is different. You know, the, the marketability of the company is different. The confidence that the team's going to have it is different. So that was the true value that I felt like we would get at Kickstarter. And I feel like we've already got that validation um, before, you know, we felt like we needed $100,000 to make this happen. But, you know, now we're, we're in a mindset now where, you know, maybe that if we don't get the $100,000, it slows us down a little bit. Mm -hmm. But we've got the validation that we were looking for from this for sure. Yeah. Um I'm going to ask you a little bit about uh, in a second about that prototype and demo you made because it, it's pretty impressive. Um, but maybe just to round off this Kickstarter part, uh, what do they? Because I've never done one. Do do they give you the actual contact information for all the folks that have backed? Like, will you own the mailing list when you're done, or um, or is that something that stays with Kickstarter? Yeah. So there's an export button. Um, I did click it and. Mm -hmm. It said something along the lines of you either have to be backed or your campaign has to be ended over before you can export it. Um, even though, but I will say, even if your uh, if your Kickstarter is unsuccessful, 
you still have access to all those people through the Kickstarter messaging system. For example, I've, been, I've backed projects that have been unsuccessful, and I've got thank yous post-campaign, post, uh, you know, and those types of things. And I've even been asked to, you know, transfer my donation to PayPal um, if, if I was interested in doing that. Hmm. So, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty cool to have, like, this community uh, within the Kickstarter campaign. It's, it's, it feels weird to send out an email uh, update to my Kickstarter backers, and I'm like, hey, you know, 1,400 people that are super enthusiastic about this project are going to get this email. That's kind of a cool feeling. So yeah. It's almost like a social network for Pixel Press that, that Kickstarter has allowed us to build. Yeah, yeah. Now, so the other thing you've done really well is you you – created this demo video mm-hmm. and uh, and related materials like screenshots that give you a really good picture of what this is. And I think unless people could see it, they wouldn't be able to, to understand it. Um, right. How how did you do this? How much is this like, was that, did you code up a bunch of stuff and actually record, you know, using a, a real prototype or what is that that we're seeing in the video there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, a couple things there. You know, one, uh, one, one, one benefit that I've had to this point is that, you know, my work within product development and, ex- and specifically as a UI and UX designer over the last, you know, 12 or 13 years kind of put me in a position to be able to create a majority of what you see myself without writing any code at all. Mm-hmm. Um, all of it was built, you know, in Photoshop and Fireworks um, and then imported into uh, Motion and Final Cut and put together, essentially, you know, pieced together without writing any code. And, and we created that video not to, de- not to deceive anybody, but to, to sell the vision on what it could be and uh, have really only recently started writing code. So I think to the lean startup model, you know, I think one thing to note about this project is it's been very cost effective. There hasn't been a lot of money spent. And the result of that was a lot of press and a lot of interest and, uh, a, you know, a, a successful Kickstarter campaign at this point without investing a lot of money. So, you know, I think a message out there for individuals trying to do ideas um, and also corporations trying to do ideas is it, it, always, it doesn't always take a big budget. I think the thing that probably is one reason, the, probably the number one reason for the success of it, though, has been that it's been something that I'm super passionate about. I've done other projects like this in the past where, like, you'll get a month in, and if you don't get positive feedback, uh, if you're not really that into it, it's hard to spend every night till 2 a.m. working on it. But if it's mm-hmm. something that you really love and you're continuing to get good feedback because it's a great product, then it's going to continue to drive, you know, that development. So um, I, I think I think those are some, some key things that have kind of made us at least be able to reach this point so far. Yeah, and, and can you give us an idea of, like, how much you've spent in terms of money and time just getting what you have off the ground? Yeah, I mean, prior to the Kickstarter, um, I spent probably $2,000. Now, granted, there's a, you know, I built the website. I got a little bit of help from some some friends. I built all the graphics. So there's a lot of things that I think not everyone would be able to do themselves. Um, But spent a little a minimal amount of money there. And then since the Kickstarter campaign is gone, you know, we have spent money on things like some Facebook ads and, you know, press releases and some of those things. So, you know, the, the money's adding up a little bit here and there um, throughout the Kickstarter campaign. 
um, and then I've, and then I've kind of floated some money to my development team to kind of just bolster what they're doing and, and started to work through that. But a lot of that is going to ultimately be you know like partnerships and those types of things. So so yeah, it's it's been been cost effective at that point as far as the amount of time spent on it. I mean, it's probably in the range of personally, I don't know, maybe three or four four hundred hours. Um, you know, a lot of late nights spent on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and as of recently, I've been working on it full time. I've, I've worked with the company that I work for and I've kind of taken a sabbatical uh, away from, from that while, uh, while managing this Kickstarter because it's 100% a full time job. Um, so, so the time's adding up a little bit pretty quickly there. But yeah, that's kind of a summary. Huh. So you're actually you're you're saying I'm going to put my full time job on uh, on hold for a bit while I focus my energy on this uh, because yeah, I guess you only right. have so much time. Yeah, you know the, what I you know as someone who likes to you know do as much as possible, I struggle with personally that the next connection that I'm going to make with a reporter or a backer is yeah. just one email away. You know, so there's never going to be enough time to send enough emails. It's just a matter of keep going and, and you know, put as much time as possible. So, you know, I, I sat down with my wife and, and talked about it and, and we think it made a lot of sense to continue to invest, you know, our own personal time and money into this um, to, to help see it through. Well, let's talk a bit about that. Maybe just to close, uh, what, what was that conversation with your wife like? How, how did, how did that go? Why was she willing to, to come on side with something like this? You know, a lot of it is uh, the fans and, and what they've had to say. You know, she believed in it from the start. She loved the idea. You know, she didn't necessarily get it because she didn't draw video games when she was a kid, but mm-hmm. she she knew I was passionate about it. And then just, I mean, the, the, the amount of support from the press and, and the fans makes it clear that this is an endeavor worth pursuing, whether it's financially or on, an ed- on the education side. I mean, that's been a big focus for us is we feel like there's real – you know, tangible values that, that kids can learn by learning how to build video games, whether it's, you know, computer graphics, um, patience, you know, logical thinking, teamwork, whatever it is, you know, those are things that, you know, ultimately have a lot of value. And if you can tie that to something that's fun, you know, that's, that's where, you know, the real skill starts to develop because it, the, the passion that I have will just be extended to them. Yeah. Well, Robin, I think it's a great project. Uh, where can people find out more? Yeah, so uh, our URL is pixelpressgame.com. Um, you know, you can find us on Google pretty quick with Pixel Press. Uh, you can also find us on Kickstarter. Uh, like you said, you know, we're, we've got about 20 days left. We're 33% of the way there and uh, going strong, so, you know, still getting a lot of excitement. We've got a lot of fun things going on. So, yeah, pixelpressgame.com, and that'll take you wherever you need to go. Perfect. And where can people find you personally? Are you on Twitter or anything else like that? I am on Twitter, yeah. It's uh, Robin Rath, so at Robin Rath with an I. Um, and, you know, we're at Pixel Press Game on Twitter, too. Perfect. Well, I'm going to – I'll back the project. Uh, I'll put uh, – I'm going to start by putting 10 bucks in. Okay. And any uh, product people listeners out there that are going to back the project as well – I want you to at reply product people TV and at reply at Robin Rath uh, if you um, match my pledge and uh, we'll see how much we'll see if we can get this thing uh, all the way to 100k. Awesome. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, guys, for listening and uh, hope to connect with you guys sometime soon. Perfect. Thanks, Robin. All right. Take care. 
And that's another episode of Product People. You can find us on the web, www.productpeople.tv. I'm Justin Jackson. That's at MIJustin on Twitter. And if you haven't already, if you could go into iTunes, search for Product People, and give us a five-star review, that really helps the show get noticed. Next week, we are back with Dan Martell from Clarity.fm. We'll see you then. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.